0: This is our Draft Strategy Podcast. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at head-to-head leagues, roto leagues, AL only, NL only, and tell you how you should change your strategy depending on which league format you are drafting in. Adam Azer, Scott White, Al Melchior. We are recording this on February 10th. However, we are putting it out into the iTunes and podcast world on the 14th. Valentine's Day. Al, you have such a busy Valentine's Day.
1: I do well. It is my wife's birthday, uh-huh. so it's a you know double double threat there—Valentine's Day and birthday. Double trouble. Yeah.
0: So we freed up your afternoon on the 14th, so you could go and and have a nice Valentine's Day slash birthday with your lovely wife. So here we are on the 10th, telling you that just in case there's some big breaking news over the weekend and we don't cover it on this show. You want to follow us on Twitter, please at CBS Fantasy BB at CBS Scott White. At Al Melk, CBS, Al M E L C, CBS. At Adam Azer, A I Z E R, and send us an email. Fantasy baseball at com. Put podcast in the subject line. A lot of stuff on the show today, so we will not get to any emails today. Now, since it is Valentine's Day, before we get into all the strategy talk. Uh, Also, we're going to give you some sleepers in AL-only and NL-only leagues and some players who are better in Roto compared to -to head-to-head and vice versa. But before we get into all that, it's Valentine's Day, so we need players that we love. Scott, we all remember your man crush on Jed Lowry last year. Yes, we do. And you know what? You had a great reason because in the beginning of the year, it
2: looked like a great pick. It did, but then he hurt his shoulder, and and now he's not going to be my crush again because those... Injuries just keep popping up for him. Ah, short honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, I like him, but I don't love him. Don't love him. <laughs> yes.
0: So we're looking for one player from each of us that we love that we're going to kind of uh, look at throughout the year and be like, oh, that's Scott's guy and Al's guy and Adam's guy. And, and you know, we'll, we'll have a little fun with it. So, Scott, I'll let you go first here. Who's this year's Jet Lowry?
2: Well, if you been listening for the last few weeks here, you know i 've made reference to Emilio Bonifacio and how much I love him and blah blah blah. So he would seem like the obvious choice, but it 's a little more fun to go deeper on these guys to to get guys who to to focus on guys who might go undrafted completely in mixed leagues, and one guy who fits that description, who I keep drafting myself with my last pick or two is Lucas Duda of the Mets, um, what he did in in about half a season of at-bats, particularly the time he took over as the starter uh, in right field after the Mets traded Carlos Beltran to the Giants. Over 300, uh, basically a 25-homer pace, uh, an OPS over 900. Um, and, and to me, a, a guy who walks like Lucas Duda does and, and has that kind of power, it's only going to get better with the Mets uh, shortening the fences in, in, at Citi Field. I think he he's going to be a big surprise in mixed leagues this year and uh, somebody who uh, I think is absolutely
1: worth a late-round pick. Scott and Lucas Duda... Sitting in a tree, and Al. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the the player who just makes me all googly uh, is Henderson Alvarez. And... Do you know
0: what his birthday is?
1: Uh, no, you can but celebrate celebrated with him. I've got his page uh, open up here, so I should you know, I should learn this. It's uh, April eighteenth. April eighteenth. Not okay. long after opening day, so Al will be taking the day off. <laughs> Henderson Alvarez
0: had a 3.26 ERA in his last seven starts.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know the the day that I, I started to get all googly about Henderson Alvarez, I, I do have this date marked down. It's uh, September 17th last year because uh, that's when I the first time I watched him pitch uh, on a uh, nationally televised <laughs> game. Love at first sight. Yep, against the Yankees. I was already, already intrigued by the stat line, but when I watched him pitch one of his first starts as a major leaguer against a, a great Yankees lineup uh you know during the the, the pennant chase and uh for the first 5 innings he was really really sharp he i saw exactly why he had put up such good stat lines uh, in the minors and in his brief time in the majors held them to just one run in the first 5 innings kind of imploded in the 6 but at that point i was already hooked so uh guy has great control really strong ground ball tendencies um and he's the sort of guy who because he doesn't Get a lot of strikeouts. I think he, he goes unnoticed, went unnoticed as a prospect, but he's still just 21. And uh, I think he is a guy like Scott said with Duda, you know, could very easily go undrafted in standard mixed leagues, but I think he will make an impact in those formats this year.
0: So it's Lucas Duda for Scott, Henderson Alvarez for Al. You knew he was going to pick someone who had Al in the last name, right? You know, I mean, that's just yeah, that's such a mouthful Al- of do.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so vain. And for yeah. me, it's I not. Probably- Think that this show is about me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's not really going out on a limb or anything. I really like Madison Bumgarner. I saw where he went yesterday or Thursday in the mock draft that we did. We did a head to head mock draft. And he went in the seventh round to Scott, one pick before I was up. I was thinking about taking him or Dan Ugla. I went with Dan Ugla because I was terrified of what was left at second base after that. Um, But I would take him over Wainwright. I would take him over Garza, Pineda, maybe Josh Johnson. These are three pitchers who went ahead of him. I love Madison Bumgarner. Uh, I feel like he's a guy who could – you said it, I think, on Tuesday, Scott. He could be a real ace. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think where he went is too low or anything, but I – I have a lot of confidence in him, and I would what's, feel great drafting him. He's a guy I want to target.
2: What's interesting about this segment is back when I thought it was going to be a longer segment, and I made a long list of players I love. Bumgarner and Alvarez were both on it. Okay.
0: Well, for me, it's, Al, it's, for me it's Bumgarner. For me, Al, it's Alvarez. For Scott, it's Duda. Let's get into draft strategy here. We are talking head-to-head and Roto today, and then AL only, NL only. So... First guys, standard rosters, just to get this out of the way, for head-to-head, catcher, first baseman, second baseman, third base, shortstop, three outfielders, one utility, five starting pitchers, two relief pitchers. There are some starters who are relief pitcher eligible. That is a major factor to consider when you're drafting in a head-to-head league as opposed to a roto league where you only have nine pitchers and you can choose how many starters, how many relievers. Um, And in Roto, two catchers, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, corner infield, middle infielder, uh, five outfielders, and a DH. So when you look at those rosters, how about the two catchers, Al, for example, um, whoever. (laughs) Uh, Al, two catchers, how does that change things?
1: Just to state the obvious, it just means that uh, you you go deeper and that... um, you know, you, you, there are certain guys that you know in those mid levels that you have to be more aware of, so that somebody like I'm just trying to think who you know would come to mind here. Maybe like an AJ Pierzynski becomes a lot more relevant. That said, um, I don't think it makes that much of a difference because when you get to the middle and deeper parts of the catcher pool, there's less that separates one player from another. So it's not like you know if you do miss out on a Pierzynski that you're gonna be. You know, sustaining a huge loss. Quick question yeah, uh,
0: here. Sorry, let me ask you this okay. real quick. Could you ever justify taking the two best catchers
2: early? I think you could. Okay. Um, I, I I did it before that year. I think it was two years ago when Joe Maurer and Victor Martinez were both coming off an amazing year. Uh, it didn't work out great, but I think, particularly at a time now where there's so many, um, there's a good eight or nine. Uh, High-end catchers, getting two of those is a big enough advantage, and you don't have to reach so early to do it. Uh, I, I actually disagree with Al, and I think it, it does make a big difference, the two catchers starting, not because I worry about missing out on one of those lower-end guys like a Pierzynski, uh, but because I know I have those two spots to fill. I'm going to go a, a little earlier on a catcher than I might in head-to-head. We we saw it actually play out in our head-to-head mock uh, that we just did, I took Carlos Santana in the second round. i don 't think another catcher went off the board till like the the sixth or seventh round when obviously that on thursday yeah I, when obviously that's not going to happen in a roto league uh because people are going to want to make sure they fill one of those two spots with those guys uh, the The fact of the matter is because you 're only starting one catcher in a head to head league and there's only going to be twelve drafted and because there's a good eight or nine top ones, um, y- there's a good chance you're going to get your catcher in the middle rounds, even if he's a good one.
0: So it was
2: Santana in the second
0: round, Alex Avila in the eighth round. Eighth round. And so Brian yeah, McCann longer. in the eighth round. And I think Mike that's Napoli one of those
1: weird round. things that happens sometimes, like with closers, where people just you know wait and wait, and then when somebody finally yeah. takes the plunge... Well, you, you well know. think about it. If you wait till the very
2: end of a head-to-head draft to draft a catcher, who are you getting? Russell Martin, Yadier Molina, even if you don't wait that quite that long, you still wait until late, you're probably going to get a, a Matt weeders type. You're not going to get screwed over at the catcher position like you can in a roto league. So the bottom line is you, you want to get
0: one. I mean, if you need to start two, you like to at least take one early. So yeah. you're short of not having two I, crappy I do. catchers. <laughs> I
2: do. Okay. Particularly since there's going to be, these days, there's going to be so many people who won't have a a, a crappy catcher. You don't want to fall too far behind at that position. But, but kind of to extend that... Pr- principle it, it kind of applies across all of rotisserie with all the positions because you're starting so many more hitters mm-hmm. than you do in a head-to-head league uh you're starting five outfielders so you you can't afford to wait as long there uh you're starting three middle infielders so it, it's it's more important to get a high a end one at at least at at either second base or shortstop um a corner infielder you might have a a higher premium, the, the elite first baseman
1: might uh, be more worth, worth your while than they are in a head-to-head. That's where I think it makes a difference. I'm not sure I agree on the, the outfielder and the, the the catcher area because I still think there's so much separation between the top guys and the bottom guys that you want. A, a quality top line guy in, in either format, but because you do have to get that corner infielder, um, you know, that middle infielder, and you don't want that to just be a complete waste of a roster spot. But yet, if you wait too long to get that, you're going to absolutely wind up with a replacement level guy. Yeah. So, that's, you have to make allowances for that earlier in the draft.
0: Like, for me last year, I remember I took Carlos Pena as my corner infielder, I think, and I gave up on him. Early, I was one of the guys who dropped him because he just got off such a terrible start. But, yeah, yeah you're looking at, you're taking risks at some point. But I guess my question is, since you do have to get your corner infielder and you do have to get your middle infielder, what position do you sacrifice? You know, where, what do you wait on? Pitchers. Or, pitchers?
1: I wait on pitchers. And I almost always wait on the shortstop and, some, and sometimes catcher. I think
2: this year is a good year to wait on the shortstop unless you can get to Lewicki. This right. is
0: in Roto Leagues just so we're cl- being clear.
2: Yeah um because after that there's you know obviously Hanley and Ho- Jose Reyes have risks. Jimmy Rollins is old as Drubal Cabrera is a bus candidate there there's so many risks down the line you can you can wait a while and get like a D Gordon who you know is a, is going to help you in the steals category so i think that that's a good position to do it at this year but but still i i think i'm big on waiting on pitchers in general but especially in roto leagues because you have so many more uh hitter positions to fill relative to the pitcher positions. It's disproportionate yeah, yeah, yeah. of Roto versus head-to-head. There's still going to be, like I said before in that at Roto mock draft, I waited till the eighth round to grab my first pitcher, got Matt Kane. got Ricky Romero the very next round. And we're talking this is the middle of the draft, and, and that's my one and two. I, I think that's perfectly acceptable one and two. Um, And this is why we say that pitching is more important in head-to-head than it is in Roto, because you just need more hitters
0: in Roto. Exactly. Now, in Roto, Al, you have nine pitching slots, and you can choose however many starters, however many relievers Mm -hmm. you need. Standard 5 by 5 you're talking wins, strikeouts, ERA, whip, and saves. You do need to get your saves. Of your nine slots how many starters how many relievers
1: ideally i like to go 6 and 3 6 starters 3 relievers but you do need to be a little flexible here because um you know once you've exhausted you know through all the second rps if you want to think of it that way times 12 teams 24 guys off the board um you know you're you're really at you know replacement level if not below it so you don't want to uh, you don't want to um stretch too far for that third reliever but you if you can again start to get your relievers early enough, then you can get a quality guy for your third. But it's, again, it's not uh, written in stone for me that uh, I don't go seven and two maybe instead. Scott? I
2: I agree with that. I'm a little more adamant about getting the third reliever because to me it's such an easy category to win. You you don't necessarily need a good closer. You just need a closer that you trust is going to keep the job all year. And if you have three of them, obviously in a 12-team league, not every team can have three. You're going to be at if not at the top of the saves category
1: near the top and uh, that's just easy points. Yeah, and I just want to clarify that again, ideally it's it's 6 and 3, but if you if you just feel like you're reaching too far for that third right. guy, bear in mind there's so much fluctuation in the save opportunities in season if you draft two and get the third guy uh, off right. waivers or via trade. And uh, that's and that's why the
2: trustworthiness of yeah. the club. I, I wouldn't want Jim Johnson as my third reliever. Yeah. I wouldn't want whoever the Astros closer is going to be, whoever the A's closer is going to be. I'd want, uh, you know, ideally like a Sergio Santos, a Joe Nathan, and uh, uh, who's another good one? Let's say uh, uh, Jose Valverde or something. It's a a right. trio like that. So... Outfielders. Let's
0: just talk about that because big difference. Head-to-head leagues, three, Roto, five. It, I, 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 there's probably an obvious answer here, but Al, how does that change your strategy on draft day?
1: Yeah, you just you gotta make allowances, just like you do for the corner and field the middle infield. You need to make sure that you've ratcheted up your your outfielders, um, you know, earlier a little bit earlier in the draft than you would in head-to-head. Well, which do you prioritize, outfielders or corner infielders? Where would you rather be thin at? Uh I'd rather be thin at the corner and middle and especially the middle uh just because that that's going to run out, you know, pretty quickly and and so everybody's at sort of a relative disadvantage but of those 3 outfield is where I think you'd be at the greatest relative dis- disadvantage if you yeah. don't. Uh Yeah, I probably shouldn't have allowances. asked the
0: question that way, but For, you want to prioritize outfielders outfield. over, over corner or middle infielders? or yeah. certainly over middle infielders.
2: Particularly this year and and it gets to a point well well how far are we talking about down the outfield line? Outfield is is thinner this year than most years. And and what you want to avoid at any of these positions is starting a guy who you don't trust to get full-time at-bats or who the only reason he's starting for you is because he is getting full-time at-bats and because he doesn't really do anything that great. Uh, a lot of times, if you're if you you're not paying enough attention to outfielders, you might end up with three pretty good ones, but then you've got a guy like Seth Smith or uh, Eric Thames who's not even guaranteed a job. You've got those as your final two outfield spots, and that's obviously going to put you behind. By the same token, you don't want to uh, go so all out on outfielders that you end up uh, having to start somebody like uh, like uh, um, a Mike Avila's as your middle infielder, who again you, you don't know he's going to get full time at bats. Probably not going to give you much power. Um, just not a great option. You you want to if you're going to skip a spot. If um, if you're if you're going to ignore a spot till later in the draft, you want it to be a spot where you know there there's a sleeper you absolutely want and and, and trust to uh, to come through for you because uh, you don't want to settle for a scrub.
0: And we're still on Roto Leagues here, and I really I want to back up, and I should have said this earlier, and I know a lot of people listening already know this, but just in case you don't, st- our standard format for a head-to-head league is a points league where singles are one point, doubles two, triples three, home runs four, a run is a point, uh, an RBI is a point, stolen bases two points, wins are, what, seven points? Yes. Um, saves are seven points, strikeouts. Everything has a point value. So in Roto, you are looking at categories. You're looking at steals. You're looking at batting average. You're looking at home runs. Um, so these are things they have to keep in mind. That's why in Roto, you, you want a power speed guy. I, so let's talk generally about what you're looking for in players in Roto compared to head-to-head. Al, what are the big
1: differences? Well, I think you just said it. Uh, steals is the big thing. I mean, that's, that's the one stat that comes at a much higher premium. And it's
0: not like steels don't count in head-to-head, right. but you don't have to have them.
1: Yeah, and in fact, you know, I have found that there are times where I, I actually undervalue steels in head-to-head because in my own mind, I exaggerate yeah. that difference. Right. Remember, you, know, you said each base in head-to-head. Is a point, doubles two, triples three points. So if you've got a, a Michael Bourne who steals, you know, let's say 50 bases in the season, but he's only got, you know, X number of extra bases, well, you know, 50 stolen bases counts for a lot of those extra bases. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that said, steals are more important in rotisserie, uh, batting average is more important. Uh, playing time is less important. If you can put up the stats in a smaller number of at-bats or plate appearances, that's going to penalize you less in rotisserie.
2: I would actually prefer to de-emphasize the steals difference because I think there was a time when everybody was hitting a ton of homers where steals were harder to find and where, uh, yeah, because steals were so hard to find, those steals guys got elevated in Roto beyond where they were in head-to-head. I... I still think, obviously, there there is some of that going on, but when you have a full-time speedster like Michael Bourne, because steals are worth two points each in head-to-head, he was still the 13th-ranked player in head-to-head last year. So I, I prefer to emphasize more the doubles and triples, which obviously count for something in head-to-head but not Roto, and the walks and strikeouts, which... Same deal. You lose points for strikeouts and head-to-head. You gain points for walks and Roto, um, and and no, no, no. You gain points for walks in head-to-head, head-to-head. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, so the players who excel there, guys like Dustin Ackley, Nick Markakis, um, uh, Nick Swisher. They're not necessarily giving you a ton of home runs or many steals, but because they're they're getting plenty of doubles or they're walking. Uh, they're they're much higher in the head-to-head rankings than they are in the roto rankings.
0: Well, how about this though? I mean, Michael Bourne may maybe not a great example because he does get you 50 steals. You know, yeah. He's going to lead the league or come close to it. But what about a guy who has 20 steals? Yeah. Well, it,
2: yeah, yeah. That's where you see the bigger difference. I think a guy like Ryan Terrio, who does absolutely nothing for head-to-head owners, is is going to have some value in roto just because he's giving you some steals. Also, the guys who aren't projected for full-time roles but are high-end base stealers like a Ben Revere or Rajay Davis, those steals, I mean, that's plenty of steals you can get in Roto. So but are they like drafting. fifth outfielders? They're they're still like fifth outfielders, but the point is they'd be worthless in head-to-head. head-to-head. Yeah. yeah.
0: I also just want to stress one thing before we get into players who are better in each format. The RP eligibility is huge in, in a head-to-head league where you five starting pitchers, two relievers. You get a guy like Matt Moore who you can throw in as a reliever. You're probably going to want to go with him over a standard closer. We've had talks about this. I think maybe some disagreements about it. But I I prefer a starter in that relief pitcher role if I can get it uh, throughout the year. Do you guys agree? Or
2: Typically, they're going to outscore the relievers. There's some consistency issues that, which consistency obviously being a bigger issue in head-to-head in general. Right, because you
0: have to win week by week. Roto right. is all season long cumulative.
2: Right, and and that plays into, okay, well, if a, if a if a starting pitcher who's eligible at reliever has a bad start, he's giving you nothing that week, when usually a closer is going to give you something every week, even if his total at the end of the year adds up to less. So there's some of that to consider, but if it's a good starting pitcher like a Matt Moore, I'm with you. Uh, I prefer him. Uh, I guess Corey Luebke would fall into that category this year as well.
0: Yeah, we'll preview relief pitchers a um, little, little later on, a couple weeks, and we'll get into that topic Head to head heroes, as Al called them. Al came up with the names head to head heroes and roto gems. So, (laughs) that's we've actually
1: been using those in our our team outlook. So, I'm not, I probably shouldn't take the credit for that. But,
0: okay, I apologize. I thought that was a a Melchior creation. (laughs) So, for the head to head guys, again, what are we looking for here that makes these guys better in a head to head format rather than a roto format?
2: Walks, steals, doubles, triples – well, not steals, sorry. Walks, doubles, triples, (laughs) lack of strikeouts, consistent at-bats, staying healthy is a a key in head-to-head because of the the consistency issue. So you're going to avoid those injury risk players more. Not taking steroids. Uh, Yeah, well, that's uh, (laughs) (laughs) – Not getting suspended. Right, that's important. Uh, Ryan Braun. Braun. Let me... Um, if he gets suspended. Yeah. and Hopefully
0: he didn't <laughs> take him. He's one of my favorite players. Gabby Sanchez, Dustin Ackley. These are the head-to-head heroes. Gabby Sanchez, Dustin Ackley, Nick Marcakis, Nick Swisher, Logan Morrison, Andre Ethier, Jason Hayward, Yonder Alonzo, Alex Gordon, Dexter Fowler, Doug Fister, R.A. Dickey. Gabby Sanchez, Dustin Ackley, Nick Marcakis, Nick Swisher, Logan Morrison, Andre Ethier, Jason Hayward, Yonder Alonzo, Alex Gordon... Dexter Fowler, Doug Fister, R.A. Dickey. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but I'm noticing that there are so many outfielders on this list. Is that just a coincidence?
1: Uh, probably not. I mean, I noticed it too, but wasn't quite sure what to make of it. But I mean, these are guys that have really strong batting eyes and tend to be doubles hitters. Um, so I suppose you find more of those in the outfield than you know. I would think certainly in the middle infield and in first baseman, you might have a lot of types that are more pure homer hitter, home run hitters. So there's probably something to it. Who stands
0: out? Who's the, the big name here that we need to know head-to-head draft day? i gotta, I got to take this guy earlier than
2: what I would take him in a roto league when I would take him. Um, I would say Logan Morrison is the biggest one I want to make sure I get in head-to-head because his numbers last year are misleading. He didn't walk as much as he normally does, and if, if you assume he's going to take the next step forward that I think a lot of people do. He walked to the minors. He, he, could, perform, <laughs> he could perform like a top— twenty five top twenty outfielder and you 'd get him for really cheap. I also like Dustin Ackley a lot if you don 't want to extend
1: yourself for a second baseman in the early rounds yeah and Markakis was probably the first name that that jumped out to me because from a roto sense there 's really very little in his stat line other than the batting average that looks attractive, and yet he is a top guy in uh, in head to head because You know, he will hit a lot of doubles and, um, you know, has a pretty good eye at the plate. So, you know, those things will pay off for you. And in our head-to-head draft, initially I was a little hesitant to take Nick Swisher as a number two outfielder. It doesn't seem like he should be that. But in head-to-head, really, uh, he walks enough that he can be. I Uh, also want to mention Dexter Fowler because he's kind of
2: an interesting example. Uh, Strikes out a lot. And you think of him more as a speedster, so you think, okay, maybe he'd more be more valuable in roto. Well, he doesn't steal a ton of bases as fast as he is; He steals a decent amount, but those triples is the main thing. That it just it's it's like almost adding a bunch of homers to his total in head to head, and and
1: that's why he's higher, much higher in those formats. And then a quick note about the pitchers, because I did uh, you know, want to make sure that we we had some pitchers in here. Um, you know, we got Fister and Dickey, and you know these are a couple of guys that don't have success with strikeouts. Um, so typically the guys that are better in head-to-head are low strikeout guys who compensate in some other way. So in in Fister's case, really in both of their cases, it's not a high walk total, uh, and they both tend to pitch uh, deeper into games.
0: Roto Gems, Mark Trumbo, Jamile Weeks, D Gordon, Michael Bourne, Carl Crawford, Drew Stubbs, Coco Crisp, Angel Pagan, Lorenzo Cain, Ben Revere, Steven Strasburg, Brandon Beachy, Trumbo, Jamile Weeks, D. Gordon, Michael Bourne, Carl Crawford, Drew Stubbs, Coco Crisp, Pagan, Lorenzo Cain, Ben Revere, Strasburg, and
1: Beachy. I want to focus on Drew Stubbs here because he's sort of interesting, and he doesn't fit quite the same profile as most of these other guys, the majority of whom would, I think, he'd fit in that speedster stolen base category. But Stubbs is is, is interesting because he not only will provide you with some steals, and like Scott said, he's not the Michael Bourne type who's going to you know lead the league in steals, but it'll give you just enough that he'll help you in rotisserie history where it won't be a difference maker in head to head. But he's really more of a home run guy. Than a doubles guy, he could just as easily give you more home runs than doubles, and there aren't that many guys out there really that you can say that about. But somebody like Stubbs, who you know hits hits a good number of fly balls, you know doesn't get many doubles, but but will get the homers, um, he's going to have more value. in in roto because of the dearth of extra base hits that aren't home runs also he strikes out like mark reynolds
2: and then there's that 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 holds him back in head-to-head too you know what Um, though
0: i i I was shocked because we did the head-to-head draft yesterday and i was dying for a third baseman mark reynolds was the sixth best third baseman last year in head-to-head leagues and seventh in roto and maybe it's just because there were some injuries at third base like a, you know, I would take A. Rod over Mark Reynolds, but that wasn't the case last year because A. Rod got hurt. Um, but he still put up, he hit so many home runs that he made up for it.
2: There's that uh, he walks a decent amount, um, and, and really, I think it was the injuries. You think so? Were the biggest thing. Third base was ravaged by injuries last year. Um, a couple guys I want to focus on on this Roto Gems list: uh, D. Gordon. Doesn't walk at all, but if he stays healthy, I expect him to steal 50 bases, and as a shortstop, that's going to be huge in, in Roto. Um, the pitchers, Strasburg and Beachy, that's mostly an innings thing. Both project to have high strikeout rates, low whips. Those percentages matter more in Roto leagues, while the totals matter more in head-to-head because the totals are down because of the innings limits. Um, they're they're going to fall further behind in in, in head-to-head. Uh, Born. Born is one I'd leave off this list. Crisp I might leave off this list also because he has decent extra base pop. Uh, but I think the reason why he's he's worth leaving on is because of the health concerns. Again, a guy who's going to lose at bats is going to be, it, it, if he excels in a category but he's losing at bats, he's going to be further ahead in Roto than he is in, in head-to-head. Here's what we're going to do with the AL only, NL only stuff. I think we're going to save the
0: names for the late round picks for another podcast we'll make that a we'll make that a two-part show a two show uh segment the AL only NL only cuz so I do want to spend more time on head to head versus roto I think it's very important here you look at the head to head mock draft and the roto mock draft I just want to read the first round Miguel head to head mock draft that we did yesterday Thursday uh February 9th Miguel Cabrera 1 Roy Halladay 2 Pujols, 3 Bautista 4 Tulowitzky 5, Kemp 6, Vado 7, Ellsbury 8, Adrian Gonzalez 9, Pedroya 10, Cano 11, Verlander 12. And then in Roto, it was Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Joey Vado, Matt Kemp, Tulowitzky, Bautista, Ellsbury, Pedroya, Granderson, Adrian Gonzalez, Carlos Gonzalez, Robinson, Cano. Uh, so in Roto, no pitchers in the first round. In head-to-head, two pitchers in the first round. In Roto, I I feel like we had more outfielders. We had Kemp,
2: Bautista, who's outfield eligible,
0: but I'm assuming you'd play him at third. That was your
2: pick. I did play him at third, but I think there are, considering how much shallower outfield is than usual, I think there are circumstances where you might actually play him in the outfield.
0: Well, we had Granderson and Cargo go in the first round of the Roto mock, and they went in the second round of the head-to-head mock. Any other conclusions to draw from the first round? I mean, is that what we need to take away from this?
2: I, I think that just the the main thing is that there's going to be more pitchers in the first round in head-to-head than Roto.
0: And maybe more outfielders in the first two rounds?
2: Um, I'd, I'd have to look at that. Uh, not necessarily. I feel like the top players are the top players regardless of format. I, I think you see it you see the the differences in how many outfielders you start play out in later rounds of the draft. Okay. AL only versus NL only now. So you look at position scarcity,
0: and it can change pretty drastically when you're going to an AL only or an NL only format. So I'll ask you guys which position gets thin really fast. Um, I want to start with catcher. Five of the top six catchers in our rankings. If you go to fantasynews.cbssports.com and you pull up our rankings right now, five of the top six are in the AL. Santana, then there's McCann, then Napoli, Avila, Mauer. Um, oh, that's, that's, these are head-to-head rankings, excuse me. So Santana, Avila, then McCann. I was looking at the Roto rankings. In the head-to-head rankings, five of the top six are in the AL. Sorry for confusing you there. Santana, Avila... Then McCann, Weeders, Napoli, Maurer. So if you're in an NL only draft, do you have to reach for, for Brian McCann?
1: I would say not, not much because you know it's not just only the order, but how these guys are sort of clustered together. And really Santana's heads and shoulders above the rest of the catchers in terms of projections. And then once you get past him, it's it's pretty yeah, there's a little bit of clustering in the AL near the top, but really the difference between you know, number four and number eight is you know just to pick a couple spots is not really great. So, but are you
0: worried that there just aren't any elite catchers other than McCann in the NL?
1: I worry about it in both leagues. Yeah, because I just think after Santana, there's just a, a lot of risk with uh, almost anybody that you've got there. So, I, I don't. This is one of the few positions where I don't distinguish a lot between the leagues.
2: Okay. Yeah. What I, I think when you get into a deeper league like this. At least my strategy. I wouldn't be going for an elite catcher anyway because there's so many more risks with them. They get nicked up, they miss games, they they sit every fifth game usually. Uh, that if I'm going to invest in an elite guy, I'm going to do it at a position I can trust um, with a player I can trust. And and so. Who are your first
0: picks? Who are your first picks?
2: Uh, AL only, NL only. My first picks in NL only uh, would it, it would be between Tulo, Kemp, and Vado. Uh, probably go Kemp in the Roto League. Um, and then AL. And head-to-head. And and head-to-head? Yeah, who would you go with? Tulo. Too Tulo? Too yeah. See, and I make,
0: you can make the case in an NL-only league to take Votto number one because if you look at, just again, our head-to-head rankings, here are the top first basemen. Pujols, Cabrera, Votto, Gonzalez, Fielder, Teixeira, Carlos Santana, and then Lance Berkman, eight. It, the top seven. There's only one guy in the right. NL, and it's Votto. Now Fielder and Pool are in the AL. First base is pretty thin at the top in the NL.
1: Yeah, and I think there is a strong case there. And uh, yeah, you know, that's probably I wouldn't go too low because because the shortstops right, are actually some really good ones. Exactly right. So, you know, I, I probably would go Kemp over Votto, but I I think you can make a strong argument either way. What
2: what what I want to point out though is that. Particularly in roto leagues where you're starting all those hitters, and and obviously the player pool's much thinner in either an AL or NL-only league. I I just want to make sure I get somebody who I know is going to play at every position and going to put up decent numbers. And although, yeah, the elite guys are thinner at first base, you can go down to... Number 14 is where I marked off on the list, Adam LaRoche. I would be okay with Adam LaRoche as my starting first baseman in a league that deep. Um, if you compare it to shortstop, you're getting into, like, the the Tyler Pasternickies, uh, the Tyler Greens. Uh, even Rafael Fercal is banged up a lot. So maybe the important thing isn't to look just at the top, but it's to look at the middle and the guys that you're going to get
0: if you wait, and you have to decide – are you okay waiting at this position and getting an Adam LaRoche? Th-
2: that is something I do a lot. Am, am I okay passing on the elite guys here because I feel like I can accept one of these guys who uh, are, are are good in this league even though I want to pay attention to them in a mixed league. And and I think first base in the NL is one of those positions. Um, if you want to look deeper, an an interesting thing I noticed, and, and it, it's not something you'd think if you were just you know going off the top of your head, Outfield in the NL seems much deeper than outfield in the AL. I can go about 40 deep in the NL. Outfielders, I would be very happy starting in an NL-only league when it's about 25 deep in the AL. Al, who's your number one pick in an AL-only
0: draft? Uh, It's Miguel Cabrera, regardless of format. All right, what are some challenges
1: that you uh, are going to encounter when you do your AL-only and NL-only leagues? Uh... Well, you know, I think it's really the, – the keys here, I think, are uh, third base and outfield. And, and Scott really just covered the outfield situation really well. I mean, it's just in the AL, the the, the middle tiers are very, very thin. Uh, in the NL, the same is true at third base. So, you know, I think that's where you have some difficult decisions to make because if you don't go early – uh, for a third baseman in an NL only league, I think you're you're going to wind up uh, you know making a, a pick that you're going to regret at that position. Second base seems like that too in the NL. So, I guess what we're coming
2: to is is the player to prioritize early in the AL is outfield, and then the NL it's second, third base. Um, so Though, assuming you can get a, a stud, obviously you still don't want to reach, but within reason, those are the positions to prioritize. Anything else, or we can actually get to
0: the to the the deep sleepers, the late round picks. Uh, I anything else I you want to talk about? You know, generally strategy wise, when you go into these leagues, these head to these uh, NL only, AL only leagues.
1: I think the key is the scarcity, and I think we've you know, well. Th- I mean, we didn't really hit all the positions, I don't think. so. No,
0: we didn't. We could go position by position.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I, I think that's the most important strategic element, you know, other than the format-specific kinds of strategies that we've already talked about that work in, uh, you know, all different depths of leagues. So, catcher,
2: we feel like we can wait on catcher. I'd wait on catcher regardless right. of what I was. And that, that's kind of a personal preference strategic thing, Uh, but
1: it is a little shallower in the NL
2: first base Al uh
1: first base well and you alluded to this as well much scarcer in in the NL so that's a, I think a nice strategy to target Votto uh if you've got one of the first couple of picks um that's something that you really have to be aware of uh, AL loaded with first baseman quality ones second base S- same deal <laughs> it's
2: pretty bad in both um, you get to about the eighth guy in AL or NL, and and that's the last really acceptable option, I think. So you don't want to wait too long in either AL or NL. Third base? Um, it's a little deeper in AL, but it's kind of the same at second base where you go... There, there's not 12 good options uh, in either league. <laughs>
0: hey, bottom line, there are going to be some... Some kind of lousy players on your team, aren't there?
1: Yeah, and, you know, but what's interesting? So we've gotten going around the horn: first base, second base, third base, all much, much stronger in the American League overall. Shortstop, not the case. But shortstop is where the, the tide turns for the NL. So the and, interesting and really, thing, though, like okay, you know, the shortstops, right? Mm-hmm.
0: You got Tulawitzki, Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes.
1: Could add Castro,
0: Starlin Castro, yeah. Jimmy Rollins. Those are our top five shortstops in head-to-head. And in, Re- in Roto, it's Tulowitzki, Ramirez, Reyes, Castro as Drupal Cabrera, and then Jimmy Rollins. So your
1: top four, regardless of format, all National League. How early are those four going to be gone? Well, I think that the big drop-off comes before Castro. I don't think people are going to tra- i don't think they will often. I don't think they should draft Castro in the first three or even four rounds. But I think the big three there of Tulo, Ramirez, Reyes could all be gone in some leagues as early as the second round. Like, if you had the first or second pick, could you take Votto and still get Hanley? Oh, absolutely. I he's round? not going to be a first-rounder in many leagues, I don't think. Will he last
0: the end of the second, though?
1: I, I don't think he'd last to the end of the second. Right.
0: So the, the fact is, you know, I there are more yourself. elite shortstops than elite first basemen in NL-only leagues. Mm-hmm. But you can't necessarily get both. So you're going to have to
2: choose one or the other, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And... I would choose the shortstop too low still because, because more fallback yeah. options at first base. But but what's interesting is I'm looking at the shortstops. I talked about I'd only go I'd only like going eight or nine deep on second base or third base. Yeah, I'd go a little further on shortstop. And and we're used to thinking of shortstop as the weakest position in fantasy, and it is in mixed leagues because there's not as many. Great options, but there's more decent options at shortstop than there are at, at second and third, I think. So okay. uh, might actually be able to wait a little longer in AL and NL only leagues. Outfield. Terrible in the AL. Yeah. And yep. Not bad
0: in the NL. Okay, starting pitchers. Not that much, uh, not really that much difference league to league. And is it a deep position, you know, relatively speaking, in these AL-only, and NL-only formats? Do you wait on starting pitchers? Much like we wait on them in Roto, do we wait on them in these
2: formats? I still do. Uh, Not to the extent, and particularly, this is going to be weird, but particularly not in Roto. If you get a a low-end starting pitcher in a Roto league, you might... You're going to have ERA and WHIP problems. Roto, if, if, Roto, like AL only or NL only. AL only yeah. or NL only. Um, you can compensate for that with middle relievers, and I often do, but. The the, you, the fact that if you want, let's say you want four starting pitchers, you want four solid starting pitchers on your roto team, and then fill out the rest with a couple closers and some middle relievers. You want those four starting pitchers to be the kind that won't hurt you in ERA and WHIP. They don't have to be studs necessarily, but they don't. You don't want them uh, to be someone who could completely bury you, like say uh, a Kevin Slowey or a Carl Pavano. Um, Philip Umber, you you don't want to go quite that deep with that with that starting four,
0: and then relief pitchers. The top of this list is dominated by NL guys: Kimbrel, Storin, Bell, Axford, um, and then like Matt Moore in head-to-head leagues is a top reliever. So I actually should probably look at the Roto list just um, to get a better look, a better feel for the relievers. But you know, it, bottom line is the top
1: of this list is is dominated by NL guys. Right. So you got got some uh, closer scarcity in the uh, in the American League for sure. I mean, really, the the highest-rated pure closer uh, right now would be Mariano Rivera. You know, Papel Bonds uh, in the NL now. And we have him seventh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, there's, oh, there's uh, some disparity there. There's
2: 16 closers in the NL, or there's going to be, and there's only 14 in that's the true. AL. So yeah. that's something right there. I mean, um and then a lot of the battles are going on in the AL. Like we don't know who's closing in Baltimore or with the White Sox or with the Athletics, uh, the NL. I th- we don't know Houston, and we don't know for sure the Dodgers. Uh, but, it, but it just seems like there's more uncertainty in the AL right now. Does that mean anything for you on draft day? What does that mean? I try to get two closers in either format for the same reason we talked about getting three in, in Roto in a mixed league. I don't always. Sometimes I can only get one, but I I try not to punt it completely because there's there's always going to be somebody else who does punt it, and you might as well finish ahead of them at least.
0: Okay, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. Happy Valentine's Day, and we'll continue our AL only and L only discussion with some players that you need to target in the later rounds, and uh, we've got so much more draft prep coming up, so thanks a lot for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon.